Hey everyone, this is Dr. Marissa Aaron, physical therapist and founder of Mom and Me PT. If you're feeling overwhelmed during pregnancy or as a new mom, and you're tired of scrolling through countless blog articles and Facebook threads with contradicting answers, this podcast is for you. I'll be interviewing top professionals to help women maximize their baby's development, their pregnancy, and their postpartum recovery. All the answers in one place from sources you can trust. Get answers to all of your questions regarding your baby's developmental milestones, sleep training, breastfeeding, nutrition, speech development, and more. For you ladies, we'll be talking about pregnancy, labor and delivery, safely returning to exercise, common areas of pain, urinary leakage, sex, diastasis recti, and you guessed it, more. I hope you enjoy. All right, so I am here with Buffy. Buffy, will you tell us a little bit about what you do and where you live and kind of how you how you got here? Yep. Um, so I am a women's health physical therapist, an orthopedic specialist first, and then I specialized in women's health and pelvic health. I live on the opposite corner from you of this country in Washington State. Um, I've been practicing physical therapy since 2006 and then um, had my first child in 2008. Um, yes, and that birth was quite interesting <laughs> and, and laid the groundwork for me realizing, I think, I think I should probably specialize in this women's health, pelvic health thing to yes. fix myself. Yes, do you mind telling us about that experience? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was working at a hospital um, in an outpatient setting, orthopedic, and we had a pool room inside the clinic where people would go in and do some pool therapy. And at the end of a session with a gentleman, my last week of work right before maternity leave was going to start on a Tuesday, <laughs> um, the floor was really wet for some weird reason. Oh, no. And I remember telling the gentleman, make sure you don't slip. Oh, no. And he got out of the pool. He was fine. I turned, I slipped and broke my leg. <laughs> oh, how pregnant are you at this point? Like the week before my due date. Oh my. Yeah. And so, yes, I had to drag myself out to call for help <laughs> to get someone. Um, and I was very sure it was broken. And so I stayed that way, broken lady. <laughs> broken leg lady pregnant for two weeks until I actually went in to get induced. Um, I was terrified and I was told that, oh, you won't be able to deliver your baby. You'll have to have a C-section. And then here's my doctor going, oh, you'll be fine. I've delivered babies with broken legs before. Okay. Uh, um, and then in addition to the broken leg, labor didn't go so smooth. I did end up pushing, it was a very long labor, I ended up pushing for three and a half hours. Wow. Um, vacuum was needed to help him get out. There was a lot of tearing. Um, and I was pretty sure looking back that I probably kegled when they told me to push, mm. like for hours. Okay. And kegling is not what we want to do when we're delivering a baby. That's okay. pulling things in. But I think that's all my body knew how to do. 
Right. So that's kind of how you got interested in how can we do more to help women be more prepared for this and make it a little bit of an a little bit of an easier yeah. process. I can't say easy, but right. But yes. <laughs> Aside from don't break your leg before <laughs> your due date. <laughs> yes. Um. You know my mindset going into that, going into that pregnancy and getting towards that due date. I was really estranged from my pelvis. Um. You know, if someone wanted me to like look down there with a the mirror, I'd be like, oh hell no. Um, I was afraid of my body. I honestly, I think wanted to be in a different room when the baby was delivered, if that was possible. Oh um, just, I was not, I really was, yeah, I was a, afraid of the labor process. I really kind of wanted to stay ignorant. And I think, you know, growing up in our culture as women, there's a lot of, uh, things where we're supposed to like deny that we have a pelvis in some way. Yes. There's a, there's a lot that we were raised with that we almost don't even realize, Absolutely. you know, that we're kind of afraid of our bodies. So um, now that I've had three children, I've learned a ton and I've been specializing in women's health um, since about 2010. Awesome. And gosh, it, there's just such a better way gals. Um, I'm so happy you're here with us to yeah. teach us. Tell us, yes. let's do kind of your three main things that you wish women knew before they, before they went into labor. Yeah, well, I mean, and before we say this all, women, we were designed to have babies. This is our power. This is, and I'm not a hippie lady, but we <laughs> literally were designed for this, number one. But we, we, I, but what we have to give ourselves is even though people say this is very natural, we do not grow up in communities where we're around birthing women. It's done behind closed doors or in someone's home. So we're just, we're not going to be getting the experiences that maybe our ancestors did when women were just around each other, helping each other have their babies. Okay. So with that said, it does require us to empower ourselves and to prepare and to, you know, along with the things that we do to prepare for the hospital bag, the baby's room, we should probably learn to get in touch with our own bodies. And I'm going to tell you, there's a few things that you can definitely do that can totally make this labor so much better yes. and you don't need to be afraid of it. It makes so much sense. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so number one, breathing is your superpower. And whereas, you know, people are like, well, I've been breathing my whole life. I mean, I should like, I think I've got that down. We're good. Um, it's really common for us women to um, breathe a little differently. And one of those things is like, think about how culturally we've been all told to suck in our gut, like at all times. Like always, don't let that gut off. Keep it clenched because you've got to look like you have a flat belly or sort of flat belly. Um, that can create a lot of habits and patterns within our core muscle system that mm -hmm. make it very difficult for us to let go. And when we want to have a baby and we want them to come out vaginally, we have to let go, gals. We yeah. got it. We can't be gripping that baby the whole time. <laughs> um, and so learning how to breathe, 
um, if you were listening to this right now, if you put your hands on your belly, when we take a breath in through our nose, we want to imagine that we're releasing tension in our belly as well as releasing tension in our pelvic floor with inhale. When we breathe out through our mouth, we want to be letting things just recoil. They naturally will. Um, and starting to just practice that on a nightly basis before you go to bed, it would be a fantastic habit. Mm -hmm. um, you can challenge your breathing by trying to do these belly breaths on your side, on your hands and knees. And I will tell you gals, if you feel like you might be that constant sucker inner, if you go on your hands and knees, it's actually really hard to let your belly go. Like people are shocked. I get them on their hands and knees and they go, whoa. Now that would also be a good screen for yourself. Am I a belly gripper? try letting your belly drop and let go and release when you breathe in. So that would be the first one. That's amazing. Do you find that so many women don't realize, it's kind of, I guess, what you, what you just said, but they don't realize that they're doing it. And so even in their brain, they say, okay, that makes sense. I need to let go. I'll do that. But they don't necessarily realize that it takes some training for your brain and your body to be able to communicate so that you can do that, right? Yes, oh yeah. I literally have artwork in my, my clinic office. One is this beautiful handwritten sign that says inhale. And the other one says <laughs> exhale. And I jokingly say, I teach people how to breathe every day that I'm in my office. It's not so easy. No, and people, pretty much every new patient, their second visit that they come to see me, they come back in one to two weeks and they go, so this breathing thing, it's like way harder, so much harder. They're all shocked. And even though I say, you are going to struggle with this week one, they all come back and they say, oh my gosh, so this you. breathing thing. so basic, right? Yes. And it's, it's within that pattern of breathing or bad habits that can lay the groundwork for our pelvic floor muscles at the bottom that really cannot connect and do what we want them to do, yeah. like let go. <laughs> so oh, even though um, if you've been pregnant or you are pregnant listening to this and you've had a family member or even a healthcare provider say, are you doing your Kegels? <laughs> I, Cause I feel like that's the first time in a woman's life when they start getting told that advice. Especially um, but, because you're, maybe they're not so much thinking about the delivery, but they're thinking about how everything is getting so stretched out during the pregnancy. Is that kind of where that comes from? That they're wanting to Kegel to, to prevent it from getting so stretched out and weak? You know, I would say, well, the person giving the advice might be because they know of others or they themselves had some issues after their delivery of incontinence. Right or organ prolapse issues um, and they're just thinking oh if maybe if I had done a lot of kegels while I was pregnant that would have prevented that right. so then they're trying to pass on that realization and knowledge they have to the next person mm -hmm. um, I would say more than kegels though as a pelvic PT mm -hmm. um, coordination is actually at the root of everything whether we have pain in our pelvic floor or weakness and that breath is actually more important than kegels 
Got to start with. Yes. Uh, so yes, uh, Kegels have a time and a place. Some people need them, but it's much better to have your pelvic PT determine that you need that instead of making a problem worse. If that was the opposite thing you needed. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the second thing is, um, a lot of women aren't aware that muscles that attach to their pelvis. So like the front of your hip, the inner thigh muscles, um, can oftentimes lead and contribute to pelvic floor tension. And again, when we are having a baby, let it go is the mantra. We need to practice letting go um, so that the pelvic floor muscles can release when we're trying to push so that your uterus and your belly muscles above can help get that baby out when it's time to quote unquote push. <laughs> and so if we, if all our body knows is tense, clench, do Kegels, when the time comes that we're ready for baby to exit and our muscles go, Ooh, I know how to Kegel. Um, it's not going to serve us as well. Nice. So, um, I have on my website, some stretches, um, for pelvic tension stretches and, um, they are all fantastic, uh, stretches you can do in your pregnancy and you can kind of go through them. So an inner thigh stretch, a hamstring stretch, the hip flexor stretch, kind of going through those and going, Ooh, what's tight for me? Mm -hmm. um, can be really eye-opening to go, oh, maybe I need to work on this. Um, because the truth is that a lot of the messaging that women get when we're pregnant is how to not gain weight, how to stay fit, how to lose the baby weight right after, um, you know, how to get back in shape. But if we really are trying to prepare for the delivery, we've got some other goals. <laughs> Yes, yes. We will definitely provide a link uh, to your website and to all of those tips in the show notes. And I also, this is making me curious, I feel like pregnancy is probably a very stressful time as well for a lot of women. Do you find that sometimes it's just that stress even that's playing into the tension and the tightness of all of those muscles and kind of even the breathing can help with that as well, right? Oh, yeah. Um, there is, and this is not woo, gals, this is science. I mean, <laughs> I hate that phrase right now. I hate people saying, this is science. Um, but... Uh, but really, it is. <laughs> seriously, um, your, we, the diaphragm muscle is the muscle just between your belly and your lungs. It's the muscle that has to move and lift and lower when we breathe. It, as well as your pelvic floor, are, I'm making hand movements that people won't be able to see, they are both connected to your vagus nerve. And this is a nerve that when it gets stimulated through the pelvic floor and diaphragm, rising and lowering as we breathe, if we are there connected, it can completely stimulate this vagus nerve, which is a backdoor trigger to the, oh, we are not being chased by a lion which I call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is like, everything's good, versus the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. And these pelvic floor muscles are highly linked to your fight or flight nervous system and are the very first muscle that 
would contract if women were shown violent or scary film clips. Yeah. And that's been research. So this breathing where we connect and try to release our pelvic floor with our inhale, let it recoil with exhale is such a double whammy for that system that it definitely calms us down for sure. That's so cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. so far we've talked about number one, learning how to breathe, breathe mm -hmm. well and breathe um, in coordination with our pelvic floor and the muscles in our body. Is that right? Yeah. And number two, we've talked about um, learning some stretches and things like that, that will also help release tension and relax those muscles that are so commonly tight and making it hard for us to let go and let baby out. Is that mm -hmm. good summary yes. Yes, and I would also, um, if you were the researching type, there is a, a methodology called spinning babies that's really popular in the birth community. Um, and it was written by a gal named Gail Tolley. She's a, been a midwife for many years, and she has a series of stretches as well, similar to mine. Um, and she says something, she says, we are only as flexible as our least tight segment. <laughs> or at least flexible segment. Basically, she says you're defined by the one tight thing. It's all connected. It, that makes it, yes. Sense. And when it comes to birthing a baby, if our hips are really stuck, it might be hard for baby to do their moves and their reflexes internally yeah. to help that delivery process. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, do we have a number three? I, yes. So, okay, gals. <laughs> I'm three babies in here. I'm not having any more. And I've done pelvic health for 10 years. At this point, um, I really, really firmly believe that it is the most proactive thing for yourself um, to be assessed by a pelvic physical therapist in your second trimester. Um, oftentimes, things are starting to happen with an achy back, or sometimes people start to notice some leakage or maybe they've been having some pelvic pain. It is a fantastic time to address that issue. You don't need to be broken, gals. But also, let's do some prep work for your delivery. Yes. Do we know how to release our pelvic floor? Where is your pelvic floor? <laughs> um, I found that women that I've worked with prenatally are so much better set up for postpartum recovery because the very things that we learn to prepare for labor, to learn how to connect with our breath, um, all of that is setting you up for postpartum recovery. You don't have to learn that after. When you are haggard, sleep deprived, have a newborn, you will already have learned how to connect to your breath, learn how to coordinate, and you can start doing those breathing exercises immediately postpartum, and you are going to be set up for a much better recovery. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, that yeah. makes so much sense. Afterwards, who has the time? Oh my gosh. And not to mention, when you have a newborn, we're supposed to be taking them to multiple doctor's appointments. And that's stressful when you're not getting sleep. Um, and, you know, it's really sad, but we are really designed as women to um, put our baby first. As soon as we have them, we focus on them. It's very instinctive to put ourselves on the back burner. So it is really hard to um, overcome those things and our lack of time and sleep and get in to see a pelvic PT early on. 
Um, and women do it and they're amazing, but it's hard. It's just easier when we're, and that baby hasn't come yet. We've got a little bit more sleep, got a little more time on our hands (laughs) and you might as well get that out of the way. Right. And learn how to coordinate things right then. And so until, you know, you're waiting later. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But So in addition to kind of all of this stuff, helping you learn how to relax and how to maybe better let baby out, things like Mm -hmm. that. What are the other benefits um, to not kegeling while you're trying to push kind of what, what things often happen during birth and labor that maybe we can prevent or make less severe with these kind of yeah. things. The two biggest issues are um, the C-section rate and tearing. So um, say someone is struggling with their birth. There are hospitals that have policies in place um, for the safety of the baby where they would like us to not, and it has changed since I did for three and a half hours of pushing policies Mm -hmm. will say now like we are not going to allow a a female to push more than two hours before Mm -hmm. we go let's prep for c-section um it it changes it ebbs and flows um and so when a woman is failing to progress that delivery and they're in the pushing phase for an extended period of time um it increases their chances that the provider and them go, look, let's just go do a C-section. This isn't working. Um, and so over a third of women in the U.S. do have cesarean sections. Um, some women actually prefer to have one, and but there are many women that uh, feel that they were robbed of their birth experience, um, and it's pretty difficult for them when they wanted this natural childbirth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the second big thing is tearing. Um, if we struggle to relax, um, if we aren't coached well, oftentimes we are pushing past our pelvic floor muscles when they are not yet ready. They haven't released. Um, you know, we want, I think the key words is we want to ease our babies out. We don't want to go CrossFit on our bodies, gals. We don't. We don't want to put that mindset on when it's time to push, even though we feel like it. And maybe our provider makes us think that we need to go Rambo when they say the word push. We need to go work with our bodies, not against them. Um, And yeah, this prep work is going to help us be much more prepared to work with our bodies, breathe with our bodies. Um, And we really can reduce our risk of uh, tearing. Um, when we learn how to release. Um, and we do want to ask our providers, of course, what their plan of action is to protect our perineum. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to what they say. If you're interviewing providers, ask them what their plan is. Um, yeah. This is huge, Buffy. I feel like this is maybe the the number one fear of so many women with labor and delivery is that tearing. And you're telling us that there are ways that we can help to, to prevent that. And it, or minimize it, yeah. Or minimize it. And, it. and it could be as easy as going to a pelvic PT a few times, right, during your second mm-hmm. trimester and just learning those skills and that knowledge. It seems so easy that I don't know why 
why yeah. more women aren't doing that? That's I know. So cool. It's uh well Hugh and I are doing the work. Uh we've <laughs> gotta get the message out. We yeah. are just we're in a culture in a society with you know hundreds of years of the medical providers going to deliver your baby for you. Yeah. It was just in the last century that women were put to sleep to have a baby. Um, you know, they were made to be unconscious. And so they weren't even a part of their birth. Um, so like my grandparents, when they had babies, they were not involved in the birth process. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so not only, so they jokingly say that not jokingly, but the midwife, midwives are one of the oldest professions in the world, right? Helping babies be born. Right. At some point, the medical model came in and said, actually, that's really dirty. Don't have your baby at home. That's gross. It needs to be sterile and clean. And, and so then they made it act like, no, this is, we're going to do this now. We're going to take over this role from women. Um, and doctors are going to deliver babies for you. Mm -hmm. And slowly we've been coming back to going, actually, women can birth their own babies. Thank you very much. Midwives are coming back. They're actually not, uh, they don't have full privileges in all 50 states. Hmm. Um, and so midwives' right to treat and our ability to hire a midwife um, is still not a certainty within this country, depending on where you live. Um, but yes, women, we actually been doing this for a very long time yeah. and it's, it's something we were born to do and it's not something that's a medical condition. Very yeah. Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about midwives and doulas and those kinds of things? Cause I think a lot of women aren't sure of the difference and kind of what they even do. Yes. And, and this is not to say I'm anti OBGYN either. Um, there's just a whole gamut of what women would like from their birth experience. And it can be anything from a hospital birth with a doctor or a midwife to a home birth or a birth center birth. Um, you're going to see different mindsets in the birth community. Um, midwives are trying to make it less medical intervention based. They're trying to monitor less um, there's a lot of research that says the more monitoring we do, the more intervention that leads to. Um, and then, you know, so you can choose to go to an OBGYN or a midwife. Um, then there's doula support. And I'm a really big doula fan because they're actually, you're hiring them to be in it with you. Um, whereas in the medical model and even a midwife, if it's a hospital birth, they might be managing multiple patients at the same time. They might be popping in and out um, and maybe only just come into your room when it's time to quote unquote push. Mm -hmm. um, the doula you are hiring to be your support person along with your partner. Um, and whereas your partner, they love you. They want to support you, but they don't have the skills. They might be actually pretty freaked out about this whole process. Yeah. And your doula is going to be the person that's going to get creative, help do things to make you feel better, massage your back, support your hips, help you get into positions that will make you more comfortable or help your baby um, arrive easier and also support you with uh, preventing perineal tears as well. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. That's so cool. So yes, huge fan of doulas. Um, if you can, if you can do it, I would hire one for sure. Awesome. 
Yeah. Well, is there anything we're forgetting? Is there anything else you really want women to know about preparing for birth or being birth ready? Um, you know, I think there, the last thing would be that there are, we've talked about birth plans in the birth world. Um, like what's your birth plan? How do you want everything to go? It can be as simple as don't, you know, I don't want a C-section mm -hmm. or I want lavender scent in the room and I want this music playing. I mean, it can get really nitty gritty and specific, but in the end, we, we want to advocate for ourselves, but baby does win. Yeah. If there's an issue with baby, um, things will change rapidly. And as women, we need to know this and we need to understand that, you know, our birth plan might not play out exactly how we want. So mentally preparing for that need to be flexible is going to be really huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I think helps after the fact to, you know, I think a lot of times that causes so much trauma when, when things don't go the way you planned or expected you know, you're left afterwards with this feeling of anger or frustration, you're upset, you feel almost like robbed. Is that, you know, mm -hmm. accurate? And, um, you know, and it's at that time when you really want to be able to leave all that behind and, and just focus on your new, beautiful, amazing baby. So the more that we can kind of help to minimize those feelings, the faster we can get to, to the good stuff. Yes. And just if we're more, if we're aware of the fact that this is not a certainty, things are not going to go the way our theoretical plan is laid out exactly, um, that's going to help us big time. And yes, we often women don't fully process their birth right afterwards because they are, they've immediately become a mother. They immediately have a baby in front of them and their thoughts and opinions about their birth might trickle into their awareness over time, if that makes so sense. Such a good point. Yes, yeah, so it's never too late to identify those feelings or realize kind of what's been going on with you, right? And, and work on that. Yeah, we don't really have a, a, I don't know, a setup or a thing that we do to process our births. Um, there's no like, oh yes, let's go to a meeting to all talk about our birth story. Yeah. Um, and so everybody finds their way. I'm sure there's a better way than having a non-existent cultural thing for processing your birth, but talking to a girlfriend, talking to a good listening ear, talking to your pelvic physical therapist, um, you know, it is really good to talk about it and process it for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Ah, well, thank you so much. We're definitely going to have to talk more in the future about how you can help women after birth as well. Cause I know yes. there are so many things, there are so many amazing things that, that you help with. Um, but I love that we're trying to bring awareness to kind of all of those things you can do before delivering to really help that process, connect to your body um, and, and make that go a little more smoothly as much as possible, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's just, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yes. Um, it's just, we slow, I slowly 
hope that um, our culture within for women changes from one of passive in the medical world to active and self-advocating and right right yeah totally oh, well one step at a time we're gonna get there right? yes 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 <laughs> this is so great Buffy thank you so Good. much thank you Thanks for listening in to another episode of Mom and Me Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for more information on our guest and any links that were mentioned. Also, find me on Facebook or Instagram at Mom and Me PT and please reach out with any questions.